Jacob here from that time we woke up in a podcast and had to explain manga, our heated adventures over analyzing manga we find interesting, otherwise known as the Overmanga Cast. This week, I hope you're ready for some surprising parentage reveals, anime supervillains, and a shocking amount of overland marching for Vikings as we return to the brutal world of Vinland Saga. This week, we read chapters 17 through 35 of Makoto Yukimura's epic. So, grab your weapon of choice, watch those fingers, and enjoy the show. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Overmanga Cast. My name is Sam, and as always, here at the top of the show, we talk about our familiarity with the franchise that we uh, read this week. Though this is another revisit, so uh, I guess going down the line, does anybody have a uh, anything new to say about uh, Vinland Saga since last time? It has been a while. Nope. I Vinland Saga was definitely a good and interesting series but one i didn't vibe with so much so yeah the most that i did was after we got done recording i went and watched a few of the pertinent uh moments from our reading uh from the anime just you know looking up clips particularly the fight with thors and uh Askeladd. that was really good <laughs> but uh matt jay how about you guys nope nothing here i don't really vibe with vikings outside of this so yeah I, I didn't check into it. All I vaguely remember is I went on a fever dream about how this would have been better as like an 80s cartel movie. Uh, <laughs> I don't really remember where that bit went, but uh, watch, the, was, uh, listen to the previous episode. If I remember right, it was an 80s teen drama. Though there were a lot of drugs being oh, but, talked about, so I understand why you thought cartel. Okay, that makes sense. Yeah, uh, yeah uh, Thorfinn the Orphan wouldn't uh, let Askeladd uh, take him to the sock hop or whatever. You're not my real dad. Okay, we're we're not resurrecting this bit. Hey, that energy is very you much. I sit in his that, home and drink his mead. That, that energy is is very much still in there. It is, but we'll have to get to that. Less so. Yeah, because uh, we start off our story in uh, with a little uh, lesson in history of the the Danish invasion of England in. Uh, we specifically join in the year uh, uh, 1008 AD, where uh, the Danes are pushing into the Isle of Britain and uh, making some uh, pretty severe headway. Yeah, talking about the uh, the Danes' law era of the British Isles. Our boy Thorfinn is uh, tearing off through the woods, running from some uh, English soldiers. Uh, but we don't learn his fate before we cut away to uh, some English peasants, a uh, mother and a daughter, uh, washing their clothes in the river and talking politics. <laughs> and the Wait. daughter is saying, Mom, uh, given the time period, you don't want to be doing that. <laughs> oh, all the men went off to war like the idiots they are. You think any of them are here to uh, get on my case about it? Just it takes one person to be burned as a witch, but okay. <laughs> Hey, we're not we're not in America yet, so uh, that hasn't started. No, they the burned witch witches in, in England in too. Europe, yeah, the the witch trials actually came over from Europe. Oh, you're right. I'm, I had a brain fart there. The Salem witch anyway. trials were just a lot of it. <laughs> right, right, right. They're right. just the famous ones. Um, but yet, yeah, whilst uh, whilst this conversation is going on, um, hey, look, free child. Yeah. Washing down the river. Yep. It's Thorfinn looking mighty hacked up. 
arrow in his shoulder, slumped against a log. Uh, the peasants take him in and uh, help him okay. get back to health. Give him some food and, you know, comment on the fact that he looks like freaking barbarian. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he gets more uh, fleas in the house than the dog does. And you're like, wow, what a what a cute little domestic scene. Thorfinn uh, getting, you know, the uh, uh, experiencing the love of a family again. Uh, the mother even goes to bat to protect him when the soldiers that were hunting him wander into town and are like, hey, is that kid the same kid we were hunting last night? No, this is my son, John. To be fair, the, the, the uh, people looking for him do say, hey, we're looking for a Danish boy. He murdered three people. And she's like, this yeah. is my son, John. <laughs> that is an important bit of context. We learned that Thorfinn had taken out several soldiers uh, before being chased into the woods. Yeah, and this is all this is all in service to a it's actually a a, a different version of um, a uh, conversation that's happened before. Previously it was um between Thor's and Yilva where it's like this um these like competing ideas of uh pragmatism versus idealism, uh self-interest versus altruism where the mother is, you know, it's like uh this is a child in need. We're going to take him in, we're going to protect him. You know, we're going to get him on his feet. Uh, whereas the daughter is like, uh, you know, the soldiers could just like kick in our door and kill us all. Maybe we should, maybe we should kick the, the stranger out who does not speak our language. I believe, I believe it's at this point where after the soldiers leave, uh, Thorfinn, uh, looks to the mother and daughter who had taken him in, uh, and, and says in the best English he can muster, please leave. Something bad is going to happen and you know where this is going. Yep. yep. Oh, wow. Look at this. The perfect opportunity for Thorfinn to leave his life of vengeance behind and just return to a normal life uh, as a child. And uh, uh, that does cool. not advance the plot. No, who, can't do that. Who are we kidding? This is Vinland's saga. He hasn't suffered enough for this goal that won't be worth it. Thorfinn runs off to, you know, just casually burn a house down. Commits a just a little bit of arson, which is this, all the signal Askeladd and the boys need. You know, I mean, like, you know, we mentioned what we basically read last time was a prologue. This is actually a really good uh, first chapter relative to, like, coming back to the story, because that is kind of a microcosm of a lot of uh, metatextual narrative of the uh, previous reading. Oh, uh, that sort of idea of um, weighing the practical with the idealistic, uh, having two characters who represent those extremes, and then Thorfinn torching it basically with his uh with his obsession with what ultimately amounts to toxic masculinity and then Oscalod's over there just being a super villain casually yeah honestly like this chapter as it is like not a bad introduction to the series either considering mm -hmm. it's been so long since we did our last thing this was like if this was chapter one of this story perfectly fine like really the entire uh bit that we did our first reading on it it adds helpful context that deepens the story, but you really could just start the plot here and be fine. Yeah, as as stated previously, we we functionally read the prologue. Uh, it would it would definitely be a lot thinner if you don't have that section. It's a it's a uh, very smart way of structuring it because if you're reading it all in a you know if you're like marathon reading it, it doesn't like break the pace of it meaningfully i don't think but at the same mm -hmm. time if you're reading it in pieces you know like as it's coming out or you know if you're you know reading it like regularly but not all at once 
uh, it's a good way of, you know, framing everything properly. And uh, of course, the Vikings show up and start taking over the town. Thorfinn sees the kind family, screams at them to leave in Danish so they don't understand. But of course, uh, the old woman is too shell-shocked to do anything, just stands there consumed by the Viking horde. Uh, in, a, in a bit of uncharacteristic uh, cutting away from the violence moment, we don't actually see her get brutally murdered, but we can assume that she was. Mm-hmm. They're dead, because the broken comb it, Thorfinn finds the next day that she used to comb out his hair. I, I gotta say, I really liked this bit, because the cliche that's being set up here is like, oh, these people help him out, so he'll reward them and set them and like let them go and they'll run off. And it kind of well, he, he tried to do that. That's the thing, though. Well, but but that's the thing, too, is like Vinland Saga doesn't let you help people, <laughs> like, it's being nice to people typically doesn't help them in this, mm. it just sets them up for a bigger disappointment. Yeah, if this was a traditional hero narrative, then. Thorfinn helping these people because he's the main character, uh, it would have, you know, saved them. They would have, you know, fled and gone on to live their lives. But despite being the main character, Thorfinn is just another Dane invading England. So he's not going to change the tide of that, even in a way that'll save one family. This both, uh, you know, sets up like everything we'd seen up to this point where the story's going forward. And also actually kind of foreshadows an element that comes up later because I think there's a particular reason that they cut away from the violence in that scene because the mother and daughter that had helped Thorfinn are like, they're in a crowd that's starting to run. You're meant to presume that they're dead, but the simple fact is they could have actually escaped. Cool, their village is burned down. They're going to starve now. Like, mm-hmm. even even if if you want to be wishy-washy and say, well, maybe they got away, great, now that's a fate worse than death, <laughs> which is something that gets brought up later. Like, it, it's setting up this sort of uh, the typical save-the-day, don't-think-about-tomorrow hero stuff just doesn't work in this because this is a more raw, more, you know, true to the consequences of violence than most series where violence, uh, you know, can be a generally speaking positive means to an end as long as you're punching a bad guy this doesn't work that way and uh with that we've finished chapter one in our <laughs> in our reading and i reintroduced to the series quite thoroughly yep so we skip forward five years uh we are deep into this war where uh king swen is leading the danish vikings to go and uh take over england Yes, and their whole motivation for taking over England, obviously, is because at this point, Denmark is basically bereft of resources. They're in search of territory as well as resources, all that good stuff. And so they're just going through the continent, pillaging and finding whatever they can find. Mm -hmm. Very baseline. And more importantly, this is all taking place in 1013, which is exactly 980 years after they killed our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Yes. Mm. Yeah, that comes up a lot. <laughs> yes, it does. It does. <laughs> it was also a thousand and ten years ago. It is literally a clash not just of well, this is also included or encapsulated under culture, but I mean there's they're cultural, it's the morality, obviously, there's religion, all of this good stuff is is discussed in this reading. It's glorious. Oh yeah. 
yeah it's a lot of fun uh catching all of that like uh bigger picture you know culture stuff amidst all the hideous ultra violence hey speaking of which london bridge is falling down falling down falling down falling down it's all the vikings fault too <laughs> my my dear lady <laughs> <laughs> my fair viking because uh we learned that uh, london hasn't uh exactly fallen uh because well historically london is just kind of always there the city of london specifically because mm -hmm. there is technically a distinction between london and the city of london because <laughs> rome <laughs> that, yeah because uh politics that ancient get weird fast but uh <laughs> In uh, in this uh, you know fictionalized version, uh, we have an anime character protecting London. <laughs> One thing I couldn't... I love him. He's pretty great. One thing I couldn't help but notice is. Um... One of the um, minor criticisms I had for Vinland Saga in our first section of reading is they had a bad habit of, in my opinion, too closely juxtaposing the anime shenanigans with actual, like very realistic depictions of violence, and it kind of took the wind out of the sails of the uh, realistic violence for me. There was a lot more cartoon, like, anime violence, and I think it fit the tone a little bit better that it was trying to set. It didn't have to be, um, you know, weighed down by, uh, you know, something that was heavy. It, it let it have a little bit more fun without, you know, taking out this, you know, and whilst not taking out the sting of, you know, this is still like ultra violence being, you know, wrought against, you know, people who may or may not deserve it, et cetera, et cetera. Leaning into the cartoonishness of it kind of, they did it just enough that it exemplified how brutal mm -hmm. uh, all of this was. And, uh, uh, they're going to try and take uh, the River Thames, but there, but uh, London Bridge is stretched across it as a defensive uh, fortification. And there are a bunch of there are a bunch of weird logs in the river. How about that? What's up with that? <laughs> <laughs> this, is a, this is a fun, slow dawning realization of how anime uh, our our uh, primary antagonist of this reading section was. Yep, I, I really liked this. Because um, the way that we are introduced to Thorkel is uh, the Joms Viking, the guys from last time who went to go uh, recruit uh, Thors in order to kill him. Because freaking that's the way this uh, manga works. Seconds. And that's the way this manga works, and everyone is named Thor something. Very non-original names. <laughs> uh, they sail up to the bridge and uh, shout up, all right, Thorkel, quit. Quit screwing around. Come back to the Danes. And he's like, nah, it's more fun to be on the losing side. That way I have to try. Yeah, there, there's like this whole speech from the main uh, Yorms Viking guy where it's like, you should know what the winning side is. Choose the winning side. Yeah, I know the winning side. That's why I'm over here on the losing side. Look at these guys. They don't stand a chance. This is great. <laughs> I love how when he's introduced, this line is thrown in such a way that you're like, this guy is some kind of idiot who's just like super battle hungry. And then like for no reason, a bunch of chapters later, they give this like long thoughtful scene where he explains why his logic isn't crazy and it makes sense. And you're like, what the hell is going on? 
<laughs> just let me have my anime supervillain. I thought, for the record, I never thought he was crazy. Like, it full out was just like, yeah, I mean, the whole Valhalla Viking, you know, religion, this makes sense. They want a challenge. Well, well, let me let well, me take all the boxes because I thought he was crazy before and after his explanation. <laughs> it is a great scene, though, but we'll get to it. Perhaps having a bit too much faith in Thorfinn at this point, since he's been main charactering it up so much. All right, kid, you're going to jump on the bridge and you're going to bring me Thorkel's head. Then we'll duel again. You'll get your run back. Go kill this boss uh, and uh, don't worry about the fact that he's 20 levels higher than you. Uh, to drive home exactly how anime Thorkel is, his primary weapon for taking out the advancing enemy ships is to wait for them to get close enough and then to throw boulders and entire, like, logs at them. Mans is a one-person, uh, flume. <laughs> <laughs> we get, uh, Thorkel leap- Thorkel, Thorfinn, Thor's- fuck- Yeah, Thor somebody. Main character boy. Uh, <laughs> Remember, uh, it's Thorfinn the Orphan. That's your yeah. main character. He's an orphan. He still has a mom. Gosh. Yeah, but Thorfinn the Orphan is funny. <laughs> mm-hmm. Don't let him hear that. <laughs> For all intents and purposes, he's not going home again. He's able to uh, scramble up onto uh, London Bridge and Thorkel. He's like, at this point, he kind of seems like a moron. <laughs> like, you almost expect Thorfinn to rip him to pieces. Like, he's shown to be absurdly strong but that seems to be all he has at this point and uh we find that's not the case yeah he goes to take on thorfinn who has his little short sword things like actual weapons and he's like i'll take you on barehanded shrimp it's like eh, he's underestimating me and then he almost splatters thorfinn with a single punch <laughs> and thorfinn's like oh wait this guy's freaking massive could kill me with a single hit and I literally can't get at any of his vitals because I'm too short. Ah, <laughs> uh, what do? Haikyuu up in here with the uh, short uh, protagonist actually being at a disadvantage. No teamwork, only stab. <laughs> 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 oh my god. Uh, obviously, obviously, uh, Vinland Saga and Haikyuu are, are basically the same story. <laughs> You know, when when will we get that crossover? I've only read Vinland Saga, but uh, having edited the episode about uh, Haikyuu, I, I have no choice but to agree. Yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah so uh, Thorfinn's in a bad state. He's getting he's getting ragdolled at this point. <laughs> oh, it's it's glorious because he does manage to pull a fast one and knock Thorkel down. And almost gets him in the throat. But Thorkel puts up a hand, takes the knife through his whole hand, grabs Thorfinn's, uh, like, hand, wrist, the rest of the knife, picks him up just by, like, closing the fist that is stabbed, and starts swinging him around, smashing him against barricades. Essentially, he's the equivalent of a toothpick in his hand and just, like, flipping him all over the place. It's great. (laughs) Yeah, it's... It's freaking wild. He's like shattering the palisades. He's whipping him around like he's a like he's a small dog at the end of a leash. And Askeladd's just looking up at this like, oh dear. <laughs> I, might, I might have sent him against something he couldn't deal with. <laughs> this might have been a slight miscalculation. We're gonna leave now. 
Oh, well, time to hit the old trail. Good luck, Thorfinn. Yep. I love how Askeladd's response to seeing Thorfinn almost die is, well, that sucks. I lost my uh, go-to assassin. Eh, whatever. <laughs> and then just dips, and I'm like, never change Askeladd. <laughs> I already said it last time that I love Askeladd. This reading just reinforced it. I freaking love this guy. Uh, a lesser series would try and play up like, no, you don't understand. He's your real father because he raised you. And I'm like, well, no, no, he's just a jackass. Like, he's mm-hmm. not good at all. <laughs> He's just a bad person. <laughs> the yeah. fact that he's charming doesn't make him a good guy. If anything, like every time they have their their chummy moments where they they appear to bond, he makes sure to slam down that barrier of like, no, <laughs> he don't care about you that way. You were literally a tool. And uh, Thorkel sees the attacking army retreating, and he's like, ah, oh, darn it! I wasn't paying attention for five minutes. And uh, the whole battle gets lost. Anyway, kid, you still alive? I oh, he has two knives. And uh, he slices off uh, three of uh, Thorkel's no, fingers. No, it's just two. Uh, oh, is it two? It's the pinky and the ring finger. Yeah, it's yeah, it's the back end of his hand. <laughs> and he's like, "Wow, that was a good move." Hey, does anyone know where my fingers are? Hey, Thorfinn, let's do this again. Waving with the cut hand. Thorkel's. Re- response to losing like two of his fingers and a chop through his hand is just like oh well that's really cool hope we forget to fight again another time i'm gonna murder you (laughs) (laughs) it's like impressive i'll remember this one i don't have a choice (laughs) almost shiroi It, it is such a good panel. Uh, Thorfinn throws himself into the Thames and starts swimming away. And uh, Thorkel does, he, it is just his bloodied up hand with the maimed fingers waving like, let's do this again next time. The main Danish force uh, leaves uh, London. Uh, the siege is maintained with a smaller force. Led by the Prince Canute. It, it, manned by Prince Canute, who I was really expecting there to be a revelation about Prince Canute that yes. there wasn't. <laughs> there was not. This is 100%, 100%. Your first, your first impression is what you get. I don't know uh, how I feel about that. Literally is. Dude looks like a lady. Yeah. <laughs> well, I remember I had finished the reading before Sam did, and he was talking about, uh, you know, what he was expecting to happen, and... <laughs> Uh, Prince Canute came up and it's like, yeah, I, 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 I held my tongue, but I'm thinking, yeah, I thought that too. Apparently not. <laughs> no, he, he, he does really pretty. He's just really pretty and he likes to cook. I know. Perfect husband material, honestly. <laughs> <laughs> I like that they went that route with it and didn't do the sort of at least obvious to the general manga reading audience option. Mm-hmm. Uh, but we don't meet Prince Canute yet. Yeah. Uh, we we have a scene that I enjoyed because it was sort of our, you know, uh, chaser, our, our bring back down to reality. Because we just got done with the rat-ass anime boss fight between uh, Thorfinn and Thorkel. And then we cut to the Danish army, like, hospital area where they're tending to the wounded. And it's just... 
panel after panel of like wounded people you know there's the dialogue of the main characters happening but all throughout the background there's people screaming about how it hurts they're dying just kill me put me out of my misery what happened to my eye the thing that got me the thing that was the most poignant to me was there was there was an uh, an unharmed guy just walking through all of this human misery and you can hear the tone in the voice uh, just from the body language of the art. Um, <laughs> anyone wants to die, just let me know. I'll make it quick for you. Like, it's so casual. It's like, it's like anybody want a peanut? Like it's, it, but it's like for that. Yeah. <laughs> like to, to, it, it drives home the mundanity of that level of suffering. Mm-hmm. And, and more, more importantly too, you've got these people who are like dying and in pain and like more so than like I've got my leg cut off and I'm dying of like infection is the deep withheld fear of if I don't die in battle, I'm going to hell. So like, mm-hmm. please run a sword through me. Like the differential, like culturally, it's not necessarily like, oh my gosh, you're that low. It's kind of like, no, this is how you will go to whatever salvation or whatever. It'll end the pain, but it's also like, if eh. I, if I bleed out, if I die to an infection, I'm not going to Valhalla. Exactly. Valkyrie won't, Valkyrie won't take me. And as is pointed out by several characters, Ragnarok's a coming. Yeah. It's basically like being read your last rites. Mm-hmm. Except with a, with a sword, sword through your chest. <laughs> exactly. That's pretty metal. <laughs> it's metal. Bring that back. Pretty, <laughs> should on, be. No. <laughs> Priests should carry swords. That would be cool. <laughs> you heard it here first, folks. I think that I think there's a movie like that coming out. Priest <laughs> with a sword. The sequel to <laughs> Cocaine sword. Bear. but yes um as jake said the uh primary force is uh, is leaving uh to go continue the march south towards wessex while prince canute is going to stay behind with a rather paltry like four thousand men and continue the siege because uh king sven is like yeah i just need to get rid of the idiot weakling uh from my bloodline i mean this would be a good chance for him to prove himself become a man uh this goes bad immediately mm-hmm. i really like how we never see king sven's face yeah Just... they always cut around it mm-hmm. because king sven is secretly a woman <laughs> <laughs> honestly i'd respect that twist <laughs> uh thorfinn uh crawls his way out of the thames around all of the bodies and uh, is taking stock of his injuries as he meanders back over to the to the marching line. Uh, meanwhile, Thorkel is uh, bemoaning the uh, end of the siege, saying, "Come back here and fight me some more." While everyone else is cheering victory, he he has one of the most expressive faces in this manga, and that's mm-hmm. not a low bar. That's a very high bar. Ow. <laughs> he somehow expresses more than Pac Man from last reading. <laughs> yeah <laughs> we have gluttony at home uh thorfinn uh rejoins the the danish column pops his shoulder back in just to uh prove to Oskalad that he ain't no better and uh they continue on their way uh they don't uh they don't get very far before uh the uh siege of london uh ends up coming up again because uh, 
The next story bit, I you know, the strictly speaking, the next story bit we get is uh, Askeladd reaffirming that he is an asshole. <laughs> that he is the villain. Yeah, I actually really like the start of this next chapter because, uh, you know, we, we had the scene of, you know, the battlefield hospital, the human misery, you know, people begging to be uh, executed by sword and all of that. And uh, just in case, just in case we haven't really hammered home the human suffering brought about by this war the the like various atrocities and terrible things that are happening uh we open up next chapter thorfinn's having a nice dream of him as a kid in vinland with his uh family living a happy life and uh thor's basically just turns to the camera and says do you really think this revenge nonsense would make me happy and thorfinn wakes up point blank on a bunch of danes about to rape a woman yeah Mm-hmm. Just wow. Well, you thought they were just pillaging? There's there's the right part of that too. No, no, I knew about that. It's just it's just that it gets the, acknowledged so explicitly. The the manga really says, hey, just in case we weren't driving home the brutality enough, here is uh basically the sacrificed lamb uh figure saying how all of this is bullshit, and here's more of the bullshit. Here's more of the atrocity. Because uh, it's basically just Askeladd's band who uh, broke away from the main column to go and uh, do a bit of pillaging on the side while still heading towards Wessex. And Thorfinn like sneaks away from the camp because uh, they're being all rowdy to go and uh, sit alone uh, on a hill. And Askeladd is there. And they end up having a uh, philosophical discussion about the nature of time and the passing of man's glory amidst some uh, Roman ruins. And uh, it's real calm and serene and makes you think. And uh, wait, wasn't there, uh, wasn't there, wasn't there like several atrocities happening back there? Right. The- Oscalod getting very, 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 very poetic. This will not be the last time. <laughs> mm-hmm. The juxtaposition is very striking. And uh, I I've enjoyed it as it, it wasn't exactly like a break from the plot and the violence it was a uh it was a slower beat in this uh <laughs> this arrangement of misery like not for nothing if if all of it, uh vinland saga had to say is war am bad there wouldn't be much to cover this sort of wise of like how did this happen you know what are people doing it for the way that Oscalot is like talking about and and this ends up being really important to his character the way Oscalot talks about like glorifying a past that was probably not as glorious as he's making it out to be you know adding all this poetry to the very real and complicated history of the British Isles you know sort of aggrandizing to Thorfinn who doesn't care because like He's dealing with all of this suffering now, you know, mm-hmm. that's that's right in front of him. You know, it, it makes the my name is Ozymandias statue not really have the same appeal to him because he's dealing with much more pressing issues that are at once significantly more grave and yet also so unnecessary. And like, you know, like what's the value in it all, right? Mm-hmm. And putting that next to uh, Roman ruins from the time when uh, Rome ruled Britain as Britannia is especially poignant because uh, anyone with even a modicum of uh, classical history knows about the various terrible things that Rome did in the name of their glory. And now here is a column in the middle of nowhere 
in Britain as another war of seemingly equal importance to the people fighting it rages on. The metaphor is just kicking you in the teeth at this point. Uh, Oscalad's whole speech here, though, does really ring through through like all of like our reading, at least was um, his whole thing is like, look how great the world used to be. And then they got beat and the world got worse. And, and then those people that beat them, we beat them. And look how we're just making things even worse than that. Like the world's not getting better. It was at a peak and it's all downhill from here. Yeah, uh, Askeladd is of the opinion that the end of days is upon us. The twilight of man is happening now. Ragnarok is but 20 years away. Mm-hmm. Which, uh, whew, that's a take. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, say, says something about doomsday mentality and uh, how uh, not okay it is. Mm-hmm. <laughs> You can justify a lot of really terrible things when the world is going to end in 20 years. Such as, uh, Askeladd and Thorfinn find a messenger from the, the siege in London, where they find out that uh, that has gone horribly. Uh, off screen, Thorkel went and mollywopped them uh, so badly that he captured Prince Canute and is going to go and like parade the hostage around in order to uh, get King Swen to surrender. Well, no, 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 no. To get King Swen to attack him so the fighting can keep going. He's very True. clear about his goal here. He doesn't care if he wins or loses. He just wants the fight to keep happening. Yes, this right. man is very much an unhinged, and I love it. <laughs> right. I almost forgot who I was talking about for a second. <laughs> How dare you? Uh, unhinged is a... I don't know if I'd go that far. I think he he's is... very hinged. The problem is his worldview depends on a completely separate thing from... Well, that's what I'm trying to say. Like, you were saying, like, he seems insane. And I'm like, no, it's very logical if you, if you like, view it through his lens. And he's just like, no, I want the path of most, of most resistance. If you view it from a crazy person's point of view... <laughs> now, 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 Jacob, we can't just say alternative worldviews are a form of insanity. That's colonialism talking. <laughs> the worst part is there's actually some truth to that statement, but... <laughs> Point being, the prince has been captured, his forces routed, and that guy was like the last guy going to inform King Sven and just happened to stumble across Askeladd and the boys. So Askeladd hearing this goes... So you're saying there's an extremely important person who is in prime position to be saved and shower glory and rewards upon us in these final days. That's mm -hmm. an interesting way to put it, but you do basically have the long and short of it. Now give me a horse so I can go contact King Swen and blah! I'll give you a sword instead. All right, boys. We're going to go rescue the prince and live in glory until everything burns. This is why I love Askeladd. He, <laughs> he heard the opportunity to take the harder optional route for more, uh, for more rewards on his quest log and said, I'm doing that. <laughs> I want the XP. So here's the thing, Sam. I, I'm just realizing talking about it now. No, this is Askeladd being like nine, ten levels above everyone else. Because mm -hmm. wh what you just quoted is what he told his men. <laughs> Yeah. That's how he got his men to go along with him. That is not his goal here. 
Well, to be fair, there at, at this point in the story, there's no way for the audience to know what his goal is because there is my favorite scene uh, that is a, still a little ways off because we've got uh, some... Uh, some pretty great uh shenanigans upcoming but uh there's a particular scene that <laughs> oh no i'm just saying i love the fact that while revisiting this you're like oh wait no Askeladd's not just a mad lad he is like nine ten steps ahead wow yeah. like the the, the best thing that you can do is whenever Askeladd says literally anything assume it is a lie assume it is the exact opposite of the words he's saying that is the plan as has been presented to the boys so now a uh, marching we will go to uh save the prince i do believe this is also uh the point where we get the motivation for thorkel and uh he he's very much in the camp of uh uh the only proper way for me to die is to die in battle so i'm going to keep fighting on whatever side prolongs this war until I am no longer around to. And I'm, I'm just sitting here like, I love this Gundam antagonist. This is a great Gundam antagonist. <laughs> well, yeah, because his whole thing is just like, yeah, you know what happens the second we end this war? People basically aren't going to want to go back to war with England again. We're going to be stuck in peace for who knows how long. And then I'm going to die not in battle. What is this nonsense? This is another good kind of downbeat chapter because it's Thorkel's forces marching through the woods and it's, you know, chatter amongst the men of what they're going to do with their uh, with their victory, talking about their various pillage, talking about all the English wenches they're going to deflower. It's just real charming stuff. One of the better written, because it is so gross, elements is their their the image of the of an english woman in their head is very telling it's mm -hmm. one of those ones where it's like oh eek thou shalt not commit adultery when you create a straw man in your head it's easy to uh, commit terrible things to what that straw man represents is a problem that still happens in the world to this day um but a lot of the a lot of the meat for Thorkel in particular, like specifically him, he is uh, basically bantering with uh, Prince Canute's uh, attendant, Ragnar, old conehead. Yeah, <laughs> I like Ragnar. <laughs> that that's mean, but it is an accurate description of his character design. <laughs> He's got a cone for a head. Uh, he is from France. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, the one of my favorite bits was it, it, in all this, they are kind of uh, they end up kind of discussing theology because uh, they they talk about Christianity. And it's like uh, that. I, I saw a depiction of that Jesus guy. He looked like a real scrawny uh, puke. He would never stand up to Thor. I don't know, but it's I hear he's a wizard. He can walk on water, make bread appear out of thin air. I hear he's got this magic spell called love. Oh, God, this whole. Event. Yes. I believe I believe the mention of love happens in the in the protagonist's camp, but uh, we do get a lot of discussion of theology. It's sort of interesting because there are so many cases where there, like, uh, you have a lot of the characters. It's like we as good Christians have to be as empathetic as possible. And it's like cool, liking the empathy, and then they keep getting punished for it, <laughs> which yeah, is very on brand for Vinland Saga. <laughs> mm -hmm. 
Um, I don't think we've gotten far enough to know for sure where it's going with this because it very well could be going in the full nihilism sense of uh, empathy is bad, actually. I don't think it's going to be as blunt as that, but... So, here, Jacob, I'll, I'll elaborate for you. You might not be fully aware. Um, England at this time wasn't full of Protestants. So Christianity <laughs> was about being incredibly empathetic and being punished for it constantly. That's Catholicism. <laughs> <laughs> you deserve every bad thing that happens to you. So be a better person by being empathetic. Uh, the reason all of this comes up is because uh, Prince Canute and Ragnar are converted uh, to Christianity. And they are joined by a very drunken priest. The best. Dropping one-liners all the time. He sure is a character. <laughs> <laughs> he, uh, he is completely silent until he uh, finishes sobering up, at which point he leaps to his feet and screams out for God's love. I can see you, my father above God in heaven. Your child, your eternal servant stands faithfully here. And All like, right, oh. somebody get him some more booze. Oh, Chris, okay, yeah. Uh, ale, ale for the ale for the father, please. <laughs> the man lives in a drunken stupor because he can't get over how much forgiveness he needs to ask for for the monstrosities that are going on around him that he is powerless to stop. Like, yeah, like is it's like it's funny until it becomes extremely not. <laughs> yes, once you fully understand like the extent to which it's like you're constantly in a in a state of well, he, he's Christian, not Catholic, but it's still very it's Catholic tier level guilt. It, yes, it's the year one thousand. There's not a lot of difference. There's not really a distinction yet. True, yeah. true. Uh, who's greater, your Jesus or our gods? Whoever created liquor. <laughs> yeah, the yeah, the the boys liked that response. So apparently all of this takes place before the Great Schism. So there is actually no difference. Ah. You have Christianity and then everything else. Well, you, you have uh, whatever you call Odin worship. Um, paganism? Paganism. Well, that's oh, a general different term types, for everything. There's a different but... type of paganism. Because uh, then you have the pagans oh, fighting each other. <laughs> A-S-A-T-R-O. Asatro? I, I, I don't know. <laughs> it's because you tend to just lump paganism with oh! everything else. Hold up. No, 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 no. This is not the worship of the gods, but only of giants and the ancestors. Hmm, it's also a relatively a modern term. That doesn't make any sense. Uh, well, uh, I know there's a few pagan revivalist traditions yeah. out there. Norse paganism, I guess, is what you would call. Yes, yeah. Then, because you, you have Wiccans, and there's also various other pagan religions, they're not all the same. There's a there's a uh, there's a lot of traditions that didn't really have names because that was just the thing that you did in that community, and it wasn't until uh, the spread of Christianity that things started to get <clears throat> categorized. So, and uh, despite having a perfectly good uh, writing system, <laughs> they didn't write down a bit of quite a bit of it. Well, I'm just. Like, who else could have foreseen it? It seemed like a good idea. 
<laughs> well, Odin, but he wasn't talking. <laughs> what else did he sacrifice that eye for? Sacrificed it so he could have the wisdom to then subsequently restrain that wisdom from everybody else because he's a dick. But anyway, all this good-natured theological discussion is uh, cut short when a uh, ambush from the woods uh, takes the caravan by surprise. Uh, some, uh, the remainder of uh, Prince Canute's forces almost literally says, we have you surrounded, at least from this side. <laughs> Thorkel, stand down! You're completely surrounded! You have no choice in the mat- Wait, they're just- they're just releasing the hostages? Oh, thank goodness, they're just releasing the hostages. We are- we are super bluffing. We have, uh, we have a tenth of the forces that we said we do. <laughs> at which point, Thorkel, uh, shouts, uh, uh, up at them from the bottom of the hill. There, I released the hostages. Now you can run away like the pansy-ass cowards I know you are. <laughs> no, don't do it. I know what you're thinking. Oh, crap, they've already started running. <laughs> Yeah, Ragnar, poor Ragnar. He tries so hard to talk them down, but he's like, he called me a pansy-ass coward. And a uh, very one-sided battle ensues. Wow. <laughs> one of two very one-sided battles ensues. <laughs> well, well, a very one-sided battle ensues. Then the fire gets started. <laughs> because uh, Ascalon has never faced a problem head-on in his entire life, and he doesn't intend to start now. His grandmaster plan to retrieve... Prince Canute is to set the entire battlefield on fire, douse uh, Thorfinn in water, and send the boy in and hope he finds the VIP. <laughs> you know what? And sure. And because uh, uh, Ascalon is a supervillain, this plan works perfectly. Yeah. Yes. It does. Uh, we, ha we have a really um, poignant moment where uh, two soldiers uh, stumble out of the smoke and like they're both they're both danes they're both speaking danish and they're like oh thank god we're finally out of that yeah i was about to choke in the smoke okay uh where are we we're separated from everybody hey master ragnar i'm over here thorkel i'm over here wait a minute you're the enemy and they both jump each other like no you idiots you <laughs> they're still not. in the fire by the way <laughs> you could have just not but sam they want to die in battle. <laughs> Again, shift your worldview, and it makes sense. Yes, I know that's the point, but still, they could have just not. And then they would have died in this Why, to die a coward as an old man? Yeah, what's wrong with you, Sam? I know, I know, it's cultural differences. But the, the point of the story is to have people finally realize you could have just not. That's not going to happen for a while. There's plenty more manga left. Oh, yep. yeah. There's plenty more time to make stupid decisions. Bring it on. All the time in the world. But yeah, now uh, Canute, uh, Ragnar, and the Drunken Friar, who I think has a name, but uh, I've never heard. I, I can't remember it. They mostly call him the Drunk, so. Mm -hmm. And that's enough of a descriptor. So, yeah. Prince Canute yep. calls him father, so... Uh, yeah, his name, isn't, his name isn't really that important. They've joined the party. Uh, they are now uh, fleeing Thorkel's forces. And here's where we start to get some of my favorite stuff from Askeladd. It's like, as they're, as they're fleeing from uh, Thorkel's forces, it's like, he's going to catch up to us. We've, uh, unless we can pull something, we're not getting away. 
So he finds a boatman and is like, hey, boatman, I need you to go and uh, send a message across the river. It's like, yeah, who am I sending it to? Anyone with authority. And why should they care? Because Askeladd's son of Lydia said so. Yes, sir. That's all you have to say. <laughs> Apparently like, everyone knows who Lydia is. Okay. Right. <laughs> I'm intrigued. Yep. I'm pretty sure this is hinted at uh, with the various... Um, like maps that they've been showing, but they are near the border with Wales. They are uh, directly on the border. Yeah. yeah. And this requires everyone in our readership to kind of take a step back. And remember this is before all of the various islands territories were incorporated. So this is a big deal. They do a good job of addressing uh, the uh, historical context of the, the fact that Wales was separate from uh, England at the time and the sort of nature of the politics within Wales of, you know, it being a more barren area and, and, you know, filled with small, like, competing fiefdoms and such. People who got kicked out of England to because they still wanted it to be Roman Britannia. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Whole lot of factions going on. People who really like to, you know, be intimate with sheep. Hey, wait a minute. <laughs> we just lost all of our Welsh viewers. <laughs> all, our, all our Welsh listeners well, gone. Well, Jay, Jay, they don't know how to use the internet. <laughs> That's so mean. So yeah, uh, they're they're able to uh, uh, cross the river to get away from uh, Thorkel uh, in in the nick of time. Mm -hmm. Uh, and as they are, uh, the new plan is to travel through Wales to get to... Get back to the Dane law, basically. Yeah. Um, (laughs) and, uh, during one of the border crossings within Wales, we get my favorite scene in this reading. (laughs) Oh, yeah. Yeah, the standoff in the mountain pass. I love this scene because the the important point, because the the function of this is to, I think, reveal Askeladd's, you know, true face. I'm pretty sure, but Askeladd always lies. So uh, we'll see how how long this uh, holds up. Askeladd is negotiating with one of the Welsh uh, lords uh, for safe passage. Uh, and meanwhile, uh, Askeladd's men are, some of Askeladd's men are talking with Bjorn of like, you know, I didn't know he could speak their, their language. Uh, and then he has like a mini like identity crisis. He's just like, I don't even, I thought I knew him pretty well. I've been with him for like how many decades and I don't even know the guy. What am I even doing? And, And at which point Bjorn mentions the only thing I know for sure is that Askeladd is a Dane through and through. Hard cut to Askeladd saying, I'm Welsh through and through. The Danes. (laughs) 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 That's so absurd. He is half Welsh. Lydia was a Welsh princess, I think. Yeah, Yeah, she was pretty high ranking and obviously... she was pillaged and yeah. Yeah. She was pillaged, taken back to Denmark, and uh Askeladd is uh one of her children from the Dan from uh, Olaf, his his father, the Danish lord that had taken her. And uh <laughs> he's like, I despise the Danes with every fiber of my being. Yes, because obviously at that point it was very, no one really inquires about everyone's background. They just know, okay, this is your father. 
So ostensibly, like Ascalon has an impressive father. They don't ask about, you know. As is tradition, all you ever ask a man is who is your daddy and what does he do? Uh-huh. Don't care yes. who your mommy was. Except in this case, it's actually extremely important. Yes. Because, <laughs> because uh, according to uh, the legend and their bloodline, uh, this he is a direct descendant of Artorius, King Arthur himself. Who oh, uh, and and that uh, Oscalods uh, he he says this out loud to a person, so I'm inherently suspicious of it. But as of the end of our reading, it seems to be the truth. Uh, he says his greatest ambition is to retake the uh, British Isles for the one true King Artorius mm -hmm. and so, act as his servant. The thing that I love about this, it, it's, not, it's not necessarily in this chapter, but it's a little later. We get a flashback to young Oscalad with his mother uh, when she was sick and dying in the stables. Yes. She was literally, you know, kept by... Um... Olaf. Olaf's bedside until she got sick, and that's very inconvenient. So we're just going to put you out in the stables mm -hmm. to die. And she told uh, young Askeladd of the legend of King Artorias and how he went to Avalon in the West. And it's like, what's Avalon? Well, Avalon is this bountiful land. Uh, it's a paradise of eternal wonder where uh, no one can die. And there King Artorias is tending to his wounds or he will come back as our savior. And this draws a massive parallel between Oscalot and Thorfinn, because now we learn that they are both on these mad vengeance quests to avenge a parent, and uh, they are both uh, driven in part by legends of a bountiful Western paradise. Uh, Thorfinn uh, looking for Vinland and Oscalot looking for Avalon. It's not super subtle, the idea of you could either have your vengeance or you could have paradise. Both of these idiots pick vengeance. This is the result of that. I had completely forgotten Vinland was even part of this. <laughs> it's, in the, it's, it's in the title! <laughs> I just thought it meant Viking land. I don't know. <laughs> you know how many times One Piece has actually come up in One Piece? Like three. <laughs> you know what? Good point. Yeah, no, uh, Vinland is an actual thing. It, 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 was, it was Canada. Vinland is Canada. It was Minnesota, eh? I thought it was Greenland. Or was it Greenland? No, you gotta Michigan. go to the land of my Vikings, eh? Get some cheese curds. Yeah, specifically the cheese curds, yes. It, it's either Greenland or Canada or both. They're, geographically, they are very close to each other. And I could see why they'd be considered one and the same, but I'm just saying. Yeah, there, there is the element of uh, it is a mythological land that was probably based off of the real geographic locations thusly stated because, mm -hmm. well, there's really nowhere in the world that is a perfect, flawless paradise where no one ages or dies. At least not that I've found. Yep. yep. Except, coincidentally, Southern Florida. <laughs> yeah. I, that is my ultimate goal i guess i have to choose between that and my ultimate vengeance against my nemesis that's a tough one well we'll see how it works out for thorfinn it'll be jacob's saga for my sake you better go to florida <laughs> i'm just saying old age doesn't kill anybody in florida it's everything else <laughs> <laughs> yeah i'll die as a true viking in the maw of an alligator. <laughs> Wrestling moves.
Scaly doggos. <laughs> Bumpy water puppies. We're really off topic at this point. The point is, there are really cool parallels between Askeladd and Thorfinn. And because we do flashback to some of this, as much as I've been making jokes about Askeladd always lies, this really does seem to actually be his real motivation. The the Welsh uh, diplomat uh, is convinced by this, uh, in part because... Uh, you know, believes Askeladd's intense hatred of uh, the Danes. And also, uh, <laughs> look at that big-ass prince. Do you really think he could do anything? Yeah, they just basically shit on the prince a lot, except for like, yeah, he could be valuable. That's about it. We're going to install him on the Danish throne. He is going to be my puppet, and I will ruin them because I loathe the Danes. He can't, he can't stop telling everyone but the other Danish characters how much he hates the Danes. Yep. He later on does he does hold on, hold on to that. He very much tells them. We'll get there. Oh, you really feel? Yep. Yeah. Uh, everyone <laughs> on poor Prince Canute, even Thorfinn. Thorfinn goes, your first rogue character in a tabletop by looking down at Canute and going, pathetic. You're really my age. <laughs> Is the prince the prince is aware that people look down at him? He's not shocked by this. Well, I I, I think that's actually an important point because Thorfinn's the only one who openly speaks ill of the prince to his face. Canute reacts to that and to say you know that he's lacking in intestinal fortitude. I don't think is unreasonable, but he shows that like not all of his passive passivity is based off of um cowardice that he does in fact have a spine but he has a like particular way because of all the political intrigue he's dealt with in his formative years he says that later on i think we don't get into it too deeply but it starts the first time he and thorfinn interact with each other and thorfinn's just like you're a bit you're pathetic and he, like, gets up and starts yelling at Thorfinn, let me explain to you why you're wrong! <laughs> uh, which, you know, indeed is a nice moment of him asserting himself, like, that's, you know, do that more, that's what we want of you, sort of, uh, you know, Thorfinn bringing out, you know, an inner strength in the prince. You should have told those Welshmen that you would use their eyes as jelly on your toast. I am a diplomat for a foreign nation i can't just shoot my mouth off like that my words hold weight and just take that energy and literally just think the welsh or thorfinn like channel that energy <laughs> just like they say imagine people in your underwear imagine people are thorfinn just just you know compare the numerous things they have in common like the amount of fleas <laughs> this is the new bit we don't have the uh the 1980s americana drama we have matt bullying the welsh <laughs> they deserve it <laughs> <laughs> in any event uh they're able to uh broker passage unfortunately with winter setting in and uh Oscalod changing the route at the last moment uh one of his gambles doesn't pay off and they end up getting uh stuck in a town where uh back in england at this point yeah right right on uh right inside the english border and specifically in english and not danes law territory uh they have to um <clears throat> appropriate a village this one is uh this one's pretty intense because uh well it's after another downbeat chapter of some of uh Askeladd's men you know basically taunting the friar <laughs> 
Mm-hmm. We have the amazing wonder twins. This love, baby, don't hurt me. Don't hurt we me. We ask no the more. eternal question. Yep. <laughs> I mean, we get a chapter that is from the perspective of the sole survivor of the village that got <clears throat> appropriated. Yeah. Oh, I love this introduction because it's her having like a lovely like dinner with her family and they start talking uh, like her little brother brings up the concept of why do we have to pray before we like because we can die any day and we need to make sure we go to heaven so we can all be together as a family. Did you know the world's ending in 20 years? It'll have been a thousand years since Christ died on the cross. And can't you see what the Vikings roving about is like as a ravenous band of like Satan's minions? Like obviously and of days well good thing we're all good christians and no one's done anything wrong so we can all be in heaven together that prompts the daughter to go run out to the tree to find the ring she stole from someone going like oh no i stole something and then there's this whole thing about like but i don't want to give it up because it's valuable and it fits <laughs> me so n- nicely it's so pretty i don't want to give it up but i don't want to go to hell and get torn apart by demons hey hey you're already going to hell until you return the ring. And she's like, what if I throw it into the woods? That doesn't work. <laughs> it's, it's already been stolen. Yeah, but that, and then the, the strange serendipity of her going out to have her little guilt trip in the snow means that she's not home when the Vikings show up, round everybody up, and kill them all. You know, for liability's sake. Because you can't have anyone potentially wandering off and, you know... Alerting Telling anyone. But Vinland Saga yet again. All the people who didn't steal and were praying before eating inside got murdered. Are the ones who got killed. Yeah, no, I th- this this is the one where I clued into they're going somewhere with this, right? The person who stole and at the end, she doesn't she thinks about throwing away, she decides to keep the ring and is okay going to hell for stealing it. Being alive is hell. oh yeah hell is other people it also benefits her because you know later on they think that she has some nobility or some kind of title to her because she has such a valuable ring well you know what they say hell is other people (laughs) i believe that fullheartedly i concur this existence is a prison (laughs) (laughs) i I mean but her hell is starving to death in a blizzard so maybe that doesn't really fit here. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yay, the boys have a place where they can hide out and weather the blizzard. Cool. Well, like our Viking friends, you should probably go and take over your neighbor's house and get a nice warm snack because we're going to take a break. Yep. <laughs> Be right back, everybody. Okay, Sam, we got to get the raiding party together. <laughs> <laughs> I could go for some tea bell. <laughs> I'll get my sword. And welcome back to the show, folks, where last we left our Danes. Uh, well, actually, Floki and the Jamas Viking were uh, back in the Dane law going up to 
King Sven and being like, yeah, so your son is totally missing. Then he's dead. No, we, we haven't actually confirmed a body. He's just missing. Then he's dead. So my younger, bolder son can be my new son. Uh, what? I mean, you're king. Fucking do whatever you want. No one cares. <laughs> you can name whatever heir you want. No one's going to gainsay you. I think it's just because they don't deal with politics. They are more like forces of nature. So this is the way of getting around that. It's just like Pol politics at the end of a sword, really. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, we see flashbacks of that. Bigger so, army diplomacy. Yes. So we can't. he can't choose an heir. That has to be like a natural force of things has to decide the heir. And, you know, the natural force, you know, can come from anywhere. Like, <laughs> that natural force is me conspiring to kill one of my sons because I don't like him as much as the other. Yeah. <laughs> you know, nature. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, while this politicking is happening, uh, Thorkel is mourning the fact that winter has brought an end to the battle. Uh, meanwhile, his men are uh, having a very homoerotic feast. Numerous people are naked. Yeah. There are women there. Quite something. <laughs> as you do. I assume that's what social gatherings are like. You just take off your clothes yeah. and just everyone just, yeah. That would explain a lot. It, it yeah. depends on which social gathering you're going to. Sometimes you have to wear a robe and a mask before that, but normally <laughs> uh -huh. it's one or the other. The English uh, cooks are going crazy trying to feed all these Danes, <laughs> uh, being very put upon. And meanwhile, uh, Thorkell's like, no, my philosophy of wanting eternal war is actually entire lo entirely logical. How else am I going to get to Valhalla? It's a battlefield that makes the warrior. A hunter is nothing without the hunt, and a warrior is nothing without a war. Makes a uh, depressing kind of nihilistic logic, but okay. Anything I can do to keep this war going is uh, A-OK -okay by me. Which is why when he hears about the, uh, the lone girl who survived a town getting destroyed that just so happened to be destroyed by a band of Vikings with Prince Canute, he's like, perfect. Thorfinn, I'm coming to beat your ass again. Uh, he, he, is my, he is my favorite Gundam antagonist. That's my favorite part about Thorkel. He doesn't know who the hell Oscalot is. No. <laughs> right up until the very end of our reading, he only cares about Thorfinn. So he, he hears uh, Prince Kudu and he's like, Thorfinn's band. All right, cool. I can get my run back. But they, uh, they immediately set out for their, uh, <laughs> for their battle. Oh, there's one character... We, we haven't yet. About. We haven't really mentioned because he comes up. He comes up in passing whilst they're trying to get across the river to uh, Wales. Ear. Yeah, he's sort of important for this section. Ear. Mm -hmm. Your boy, ear. That is that is all he is ever referred to as. He's wall-eyed and he's got big old ears and he hear real good. All you need. Yeah. Uh, unfortunately, the snow has muffled everything, meaning that uh, his usual extreme hearing range has been... Uh, it has been reduced to superhuman levels from hilariously absurd levels, as it was prior. Yeah, instead of hearing someone oncoming from like five or ten miles away, he can only get like two or three. But yeah, uh, knowing that they've been found out, uh, Askeladd's band has to um, pack up much sooner than expected... Uh, they won't be able to carry all their loot and supplies because they've only had enough time to make about one and a third sleds to carry things on. And uh, Askeladd's men are not happy with what's going on right now. Mm -hmm. Because ever since they went and got Canute, this has been one miserable uh, 
one miserable disaster gamble after another. Yeah. Uh, about the only about the only two things that worked were the fire and the crossing of the river. Everything else has been a absolute crapshoot. Is this also when we get the point where um the uh the priest is bemoaning the fact they killed this entire village? Oh yeah, this yeah. is. Because uh, um, during the raid, the priest actually ran out in the middle of the village and started trying to yell and warn people in English, got his lights knocked out uh, by uh, some of the other Vikings who uh, are about done with his nonsense at this point. Ascalad's got a whole thing about how, um, like, if they take half of their food, they're still going to die. So he's going to take all of their food and they're going to die. <laughs> their liability to be kept alive. So uh, he, he's going to do the uh, rational thing. This is the part that sort of harkens back to that element of like uh, in our uh, the first chapter of our reading, even if because it cut away, you want to believe that the that the mother and daughter survived. They'll be in the situation that Askeladd was saying that these villagers would be in. It would honestly be more merciful to put them to the axe now. But um, regardless, that the the Christians are not too happy about um, just wanton murder of people who have surrendered. Um, mm -hmm. And what happens the next day is the priest is bemoaning the like atrocities they commit because he's still part of the Danish war band. So he's just like, I guess these people have been given the go ahead by the king and the king is in charge by divine right. But that doesn't make me happy about it. So. Well, he's promoting that, and that prompts, um... Our father, I admit, I begin to doubt your love. And then Prince Canute is just like, oh no, let me slap a holy man. Yeah. <laughs> you dare to doubt our God, and you call yourself a follower of Christ? You ought to be ashamed. How Doubting dare you suggest that there is a father that does not love his child? <laughs> you want to re- Take that one, Chief. No, but the the thing is, the look on Canute's face—he knows. Well, yeah, it's a defense mechanism from Canute because he knows. Yeah, and he knows he knows. Because <laughs> people have really healthy coping mechanisms for trauma in this manga. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. No, Ragnar is just like, oh, he's huffing that copium. <laughs> <laughs> We actually get a, a pretty wholesome scene where uh, Thorfinn catches a rabbit and uh, goes to Canute and Ragnar. Well, it starts out a wholesome scene. Canute uh, reveals that he is uh, a decently skilled chef and they make uh, a very tasty stew out of uh, the rabbit and, the, and some leftover veggies. And once again, uh, Thorfinn having just a nice, uh, cute little domestic scene. It It's almost yeah. like... Uh, Unfortunately, these are not treats befitting a prince of Vikings. So I was yeah. about to say they don't—they don't even actually get to eat <laughs> because mm -hmm. Ragnar gets called away, and Prince Canute's like, "Well, we'll just wait for him. We'll be back in a moment." Uh Ragnar is furious and demands to go speak with Askeladd, uh, with the the people that. Uh, or with the the soldiers that came to get him, and they're leading him through the woods. It's like, oh yeah, uh, the English forces found us. Uh, Askeladd's holding them off, uh, but yeah, we got to get moving. Uh, this is absolutely ridiculous. I've never seen that item. He's defied me at every turn. And uh, wait a minute, I hear the fighting over there. Shouldn't we be going that way? Wow, you actually just figured it out. You're an idiot, old man. And then one of the crewmates vents, and uh, 
uh, one of the soldiers pops out of the snow and runs a whole spear directly through Ragnar from behind. It's a brutal shot. It's a brutal shot that is only, and and I do mean ever so slightly, but only ever so slightly undercut by the fact that he was um, he was stabbed directly in the uh, slow death monologuing organ. Uh, it is a fatal wound, but it takes a while. <laughs> if anything, I had to say that he was punctured through a lung. I, I thought he was stabbed through the stomach. I don't know. It looks- which is which is the slow death monologuing organ? Yeah, that is also it, true. It looks like it was the stomach and maybe a lung because it was an upward angle. Point being, uh, he he does actually get to speak with Oscalot at the end. <laughs> oh, I love this conversation with Oscalot because he's just like. I really need to speak with Oscalot. He's just like, okay, fine. What do you want, old man? You betrayer. Like, I, yeah, no, obviously, I, I don't like what you're doing with the kid. We're going to raise him up good. And he's just like, okay, there's one thing you actually do really need to know. Um, the, the king wants him dead. And actually, if you try and return him, he's not going to want him. Ha ha, sucker. You got the wrong hostage. You got played. And Oscalot's just like, oh, well, well. You should have told me that before I killed you. I could have just not done any of this. Wow, that sucks. He's like, can I see the boy one last time? Why the <laughs> would I do that? No, just die. <laughs> well, no. It's it's brutal. Because right now it's like, let me see him one more time. And Oscar, no. If you're if you're still somehow wondering who the villain was. It's a hell of a freaking panel, man. Honestly, I think most of the characters in this manga are the villain, but uh... <laughs> yeah, Ragnar is dead. Uh, they have Canute is in shock about it, obviously. But that doesn't change the fact that the English do know where they are and they have to flee for the next bit. It seems like it's going to be another of the rigmarole of uh, Oscalod's group being just barely ahead of Thorkel, but Thorkel actually catches up with them pretty quickly. They go from uh, several days behind to a day behind to uh, a few hours behind over the course of... To Ozark, they're right there. Oscalod orders a bridge be uh, uh, destroyed. And as they're destroying the bridge, a bunch of the guys are like, uh, this is uh, <laughs> this is uh, shin-high water. This is not going to slow them, much less stop them. Mm-hmm. It's all about the psychology of it, because by the time they've already, like, had to figure this out, they've already bought you, like, a couple minutes. But, like, wh- what's been happening is, um, Ascalad keeps making bad decisions, it seems like. He keeps making plays that fail after fail after fail. And you've got a bunch of his men are just going, like, he's not a great leader anymore. And, it, uh, I think we skim over, but at one point he just tells the group of them, like, hey, yeah, no, a man has every right to choose his master i'm not gonna force you to be on my side if you want to go jump ship and join thorkel go ahead we don't need you and several of them take him up on that they go to thorkel they're like we're jumping ship thorkel's like the hell you are you're dying like men no 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 really we've jumped ship we're we're turncoats we're coming to your hey, side exactly that that's the point little bitch we're we're turncoats we've joined your side chop <laughs> yes you're turncoats i don't want you I don't know why they thought that'd be a good idea. Pick up your axe. Die like a man. A intentional parallel to show how screwed up both of them are that um, 
Askeladd has the same, like, like they have the same mentality. Like if someone is willing to switch sides, I don't want you. And they both kind of know that that will result in them going to Thorkel, who will just kill them. Yes. It's like, if you are going to be a turncoat, I don't want you. He's not going to want you. Why do you think that anyone would want that? <laughs> so go over there and die. It will slow him down by a couple of minutes. Taking down the bridge is the breaking point for uh, two two of his uh, Askeladd's men who uh, we'd been following a little bit, mostly uh, via the uh, the drunken priest. Mm -hmm. Yeah, the Wonder Twins. They, that, they were the ones who were asking, what is love? Baby, don't hurt me. Baby, don't hurt me no more. They are actually brothers, though, I, I think. Yeah. Yeah, they are Wonder Twins. Wonder Twin powers activate. Form of betrayal. <laughs> yeah. Uh, uh, Askeladd had revealed earlier that his secret power is he can take one look at a man's face and get the judge of their character. And uh, that tells him that basically everyone in the band is ready to betray him after this uh, take down the bridge fiasco. So he's like, all right, Bjorn, Thorfinn, you guys are going to take the prince and you are going to run like hell. Uh, but uh, what about you? It's just 50 men. You think I can't get out of this? And... Uh, yeah, turns out he can't get out of that. <laughs> Very much is the case where the thing going through my head is how much of this is Askeladd actually screwing up? And then the other thing I can't help but wonder, how much does Bjorn actually know, mm -hmm. given how loyal he is? It's, it's interesting. We don't quite, by the end of our reading, get an answer to that. Because we know why Thorfinn's sticking around. Thorfinn doesn't want anyone to kill Askeladd besides himself in an honorable duel because, you know, plot. <laughs> One of the bits I really liked is uh, Bjorn, Thorfinn, and Knut are fleeing. Uh, some of the other turncoats are chase are charging after. And uh, Bjorn's like, bring it on, you louts! Oh, wait, you're targeting the horse. No, I meant bring it on at me, not the horse! Ah! We're crashing! <laughs> As they crash, uh, Thorfinn realizes that Askeladd isn't, like, following them, isn't making it out, so uh, mm -hmm. he charges back, and uh, we get a really good character moment from Askeladd, which is just, like, I love this moment because it so encapsulates his character. He's, he's fighting, and he's realizing, eh, I might have bitten off more than I can chew at this one. And someone's able to get a glancing blow on him. He's got a metal cuirass on, so it doesn't, like, he's not pierced by the sword, but he gets hit pretty hard. And he, in a rage, turns on the guy and cuts him through his shield. Through his shield? Through his helm. And, like, halfway down his torso vertically, going, that f***ing hurt! Everyone is, is stunned into uh, silence and stillness from that. And then he... Gets up out of his stance, looks around at everybody. I'm sorry, I kind of lost my head there. I'm normally more composed than that. <laughs> like, I promise I won't yell at you again. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you can And like again, it's like it's like that sort of reaction. It's like, is there a plan here? There definitely cannot be a plan here, right? <laughs> like, but the one thing, the one wild card factor that could potentially get him out of this is Thorkel shows up and he's like, so I heard there was a guy called Askeladd here who's a badass. You in the middle of all the men, you're the badass, right? I am Askeladd, yes. <laughs> all right, cool. Where's Thorfinn? I want to fight him again. Meanwhile, Thorfinn tearing back on a horse. Askeladd, no one's allowed to kill you but me. Thor Thorkel, ah, there he is. Time for my 1v1. I'm just going to Albert Wesker this horse really quick and uh, punch. 
He proceeds to punch a horse at a full gallop. Uh, that's a thing that happens. He drives his whole ass fist through the whole ass torso of this horse. It's mind blowing. Yeah, this is this is uh, part of what I was saying that the uh, the cartoon violence is on full display there. Uh, <laughs> Thorkell is just absurd <laughs> with with in, with very much intention, but Thorkell is just absurd. This is actually where we leave off with the cliffhanger of uh, Thorkell and Thorfinn about to face off. Uh, whoever wins gets Askeladd. <laughs> what a what a ride of a read, huh? Mm-hmm. But uh, as always, we must ask the uh, seminal question of favorite character. I I said it before. I'll say it again. Askeladd. This this just reinforced why I love this guy. <laughs> he is the smarmiest bastard. <laughs> he is the worst asshole. He is the biggest dick on the planet. And he is just so fun as a trickster hero, a trickster villain in this case. And the the revelation of his backstory, it's like, yeah, okay, cool. I like Arthurian legend. He's a he's a descendant of King Arthur. Whatever. That's secondary. The parallels that it draws to Thorfinn. It it just further proves the point that everything in this story is screaming in Thorfinn's ear, just break the cycle of vengeance. Just walk away. Live a quiet life. That is the best revenge you can get. And Thorfinn just sticking his fingers in his ears going la 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 la. L- literally, the dream of his father tells him that. <laughs> He's just like, no. This is the second time in our reading that the ghost of his father has come to him in a dream saying, you know, this is a bad idea, right? If it's not a ghost, it's like implied that like if dreams are motivated by your subconscious, this also like would say Thor. Metaphorically, his father's ghost. Let Thorfinn knows that vengeance is dumb. Yeah, no, Thor, very much so. I was actually going to mention that. This is this is a good showing of the fact that Thorfinn knows that this is stupid and he shouldn't be doing it. Here's the thing. Is it stupid or is it just not going to make him happy? Because I think Thorfinn is aware that vengeance isn't going to make him happy. I think there's a part of him that thinks vengeance is necessary. Like, it is justice to him. Like, it is a wrong has been committed. It needs to be righted. I know at the end of this, I'm going to be just as miserable as I am now, but a wrong will be righted to that same idea the story is still basically doing the same thing of the best justice you can get is to just go live a quiet life because there's that whole scene with him and Askeladd in the roman ruins it's like look how how far justice got these people they're just as gone as your father God. It's it's a bit more subtle in that regard, but uh, but see, it, I think it's still trying to send the same message. Mm-hmm. But yes, I, I do agree with you, Matt. That uh, at this point, Thorfinn isn't doing this for him; he's doing it for the nebulous concept of justice, and and he needs to he needs to realize before it destroys him that 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 don't mean. <laughs> well, he's also doing it for like the memory of his father because he's just like he never would have lost lost a fair fight, which is why he keeps wanting a fair fight with Oscalod, which is an insane thing to ask for. <laughs> this mm-hmm. does not follow the rules. Don't apply the rules to people who constantly break them. 
But yeah, that's why Askeladd is my favorite character. Uh, Matt, who's yours? Thorkel. Thorkel's amazing. He drives all of the plot in this reading. He, oh, he's got like the wacky cartoon and like he's got Wiley Coyote energy. And yes. <laughs> it's then just backed up with, hey, I know the Wild West is over and I want to go out in a blaze of glory. I don't want to be an old man and not like die a warrior. I want this to be my final battle and I'm already stronger than everyone else. So I guess I just need to keep making it harder on me. Very good answer. Uh, Jay, how about you? Raquel, um, for all the above reasons. Um, <laughs> yeah, he, he's a beast and I love it. Just love his energy and his positive spin on such a dire circumstance. He is having so much fun in the worst possible situation. Yes. And Jacob. Favorite character, uh, specifically on the material we read, would be Askeladd. Almost entirely off of the back of that one scene where I know one thing about Askeladd. He's a Dane through and through. Cut to Askeladd. I'm Welsh through and through. <laughs> the Danes. That would never <laughs> not be hilarious to me. Because it's like, it's a, it's a legitimately dramatic scene at the same time as being intentionally very, very funny. I love how they double dip on that reveal too. Because when they're attacked, he does a similar thing. Where it's just like, Oscalad, come on. We really respect you, guy. And he's just like, okay, fine. You've betrayed me. I want you to know one thing. I have literally hated you from the moment I've met you. I think all Danes are stupid pig breeders. And um, you're garbage. You're all garbage. I've hated you from the moment I've seen you. Fuck you, fuck you, fuck you, fuck you, fuck you. <laughs> Though uh, there are two characters that... The reason they're not my favorites is because we didn't see enough of them. They didn't do enough. But, like, I think that they're both building to, uh, you know, potential favorite character uh, status. In I am really interested to know how much Bjorn actually knows about Askeladd. <laughs> well, yeah, that's why I said, like, it's an identity crisis. Like, damn, I thought I knew this dude. <laughs> Um, and then the, uh, the other one is, I feel like Prince Canute could actually, uh, develop into a really cool character. Being that this is Vinland Saga, he might just take an axe to the face at some point and have his character development not fulfilled because that, you know, that's something that Vinland Saga does that, you know, you know, the real world doesn't always have nice clean endings is, you know, one of the points of this story. So maybe, you know, all the potential will, uh, amount to nothing, um, I love meek characters who don't believe in themselves being shown that, no, you are capable, you can do it, just get up and try. And then seeing them, you know, succeed more and more over the course of the story. And Canute is set up to do that. And hey, even if he is, even if he does ultimately just take an axe to the face, Midland Saga is deft enough that, uh, I, I could see them, you know, pulling that off really well and making that hurt really badly, which would, you know, be the intention behind that. So I also like that they killed Ragnar. Ragnar's <laughs> <laughs> uh, death was uh, pretty intense. No, he was coddling the boy. He needed to get out of the picture. <laughs> <laughs> He's in a war zone, knows his liege is going to be murdered by his family and goes, well, we're going to teach you how to make a nice little chicken dinner and i'm like not not your priority right now <laughs> yep. 
One of the things I found uh, most interesting was the thing that they uh, shown on was the like, and they very deeply tie this to that sort of like, you know, hard Catholic penitence uh, Christian element of like these people doing empathetic things and only suffering for it. I don't think we've gotten far enough to see where it's going with that. It's one of those elements that is, it's a, it's an interesting and different take, which intrigues me. And I'd like to see where that ultimately ends up going. Because they, they've, they've brought it up way too much for it to, you know, just be a passing thing. Exactly. Yeah, el like elements like the like the, the girl who stole the ring is the only one who survives the village. The, the sinful one not only survives, but also, you know, potentially doomed the, the perpetrators of uh, the crime against her village. That could be a kind of God works in mysterious ways message. Yeah, it's like it's, like your your penance for your sin is witnessing everyone you love die, but it completing this penance uh balances the scales. I don't know. I'm not I, I don't know enough about any religion to make a <laughs> sure uh to make a sure read from that perspective, but well, I also feel like Vinland Saga is is going somewhere with this that is like like it's going to be a unique Vinland Saga take on it. I just don't quite know where it's going yet. Like, I don't know. I don't know if it's being like, uh, you know, if it's like doing a pro you got mine sort of mentality or if there's going to be, you know, like like if it's going to tie into like the the parallels between uh Thorfinn and Oscalod, you know. Mm -hmm. Uh Matt, Jay, how about you guys? I guess the themes of violence, most of the violence um from this segment are perpetrated by the Danes. I'm trying to push their way onto the continent. Um as far as I guess honor and pride again is sort of well the main actors here are the Danes and from our perspective, I guess Honor and pride are kind of are kind of coalesced with how they perform this violence because typically, at least from the like Christian perspective, it's like you don't connote like except for like obviously the Crusades, um, with honor and pride being you know synonymous with per performing violence against people, um, and it seems to be that you know, you live by violence, you also similarly die by violence, or else there is no sense of pride um, possible in the Viking religion. And it really brings into scope, especially with how many times, you know, the topic of love comes up, of whether or not they're even, even able to conceptualize. Yeah, we made the we made the joke about, you know, the the what is love bit, but like, the uh the people who are talking to the priest literally have not heard that word before and don't understand what it means they ask if it's a food like they're freaking goku from dragon ball i heard it's a magic spell the christians say which is interesting because again the wonder twins do kind of come close they're like you mean the way i feel about my brother and like my interpretation of that is like yeah that's close i mean i guess you have you like love your brother but um and it's not the kind it's not the kind of love that the priest is talking about. Yeah. Um and I understand I, I guess I share his frustration of being able to communicate, you know, what this love is. He tries to 
I think he characterized it as a type of warmth. Um, the fact that um, they were talking about he um, did, he was able to um, attend the court of the Danish king. And they were, you know, asking about like, well, what was in it? Was it, was there riches? Was it, you know, filled with um, concubines and all the other stuff? And he said, um, Oh, I don't remember specifically, but he said something to the effect of like it had a lot in it, but it was still it was still empty. It was so just so devoid of well love. And they're like, well, what is what is that? Is it something you can quantify? Is it like gold? I mean, gold is valuable because it's gold. And I'm just like, well, why is gold valuable? Like, can you quantify why? Um, yeah, it, it's one of those abstractions that is very difficult to explain to somebody who is, you know, who doesn't already get it. Yeah. <laughs> um, so those are my thoughts of how they kind of relate to one another. Um, and I guess how it is a very unique, and I kind of push back against the fact that it's like, oh, it's insane or doesn't make sense. I'm like, it makes perfect sense. You just have to alter your worldview. A lot of their actions um, do kind of um, kind of just butt against, you know, the English and just Christianity in general, because, you know, where there is honor and pride in committing violence, there is a lack of honor or pride in committing violence. You know, the Danes are the barbarians and they don't exactly understand or maybe they do understand why they're considered barbaric, but it's just the clash, literally a clash of cultures yeah some some understand but don't care yeah and i think there is also that element of like the modern context of like understanding how we view the different elements of this uh conflict is going to naturally clash with to a large extent uh definitely the danes but also to a a, a lesser extent uh even the english how they interact with the conflict uh, we didn't uh, really talk about it, but there was a pretty cool scene with um, Askeladd uh, talking to one of the English soldiers as they were uh, like leg of their fleeing, where he's like, uh, <laughs> uh, you think that we're so bad for doing this to you. You did this to the people who came before. And uh, they did that to the um, uh, to the Celts before that. So. Tis the way of the world, friend. Yeah, it sucks. Yes, I also love how you characterize talking. They were talking to him very roughly. <laughs> so, would you continue reading? Uh, I absolutely would. Um, as normal, I'm <laughs> very bad about uh, keeping up with things. Uh, Jake has gotten better than me at this, so, you know, <laughs> that should tell you something. Um, but uh, I, def I love this series. It is... Uh, exactly the right balance between uh like superhuman shenanigans and like the sort of gritty meditation on violence that i love this just reinforced that so i'm absolutely looking forward to uh doing more reading on this uh jake how about you i'm sort of still feeling kind of the way i did previously where I could see this going to some really cool places. I'd love to do another episode on it, but I don't think I'd read it on my own. Saying I'm not sold on it is probably too harsh to Vinland Saga. I definitely uh, can see its quality. It, I guess there's an element of it being a bit of a slow burn and actually getting to its point, which I usually like that sort of thing. So again, I'd love to do another episode. 
Um, I, I'm I'm sure once the uh, the themes start to coalesce a little bit more and it starts, you know, making more uh, you know declarative statements on a lot of the stuff that it's brought up, I'm gonna uh, get more and more into it. But as of right now, this is more of a I I do it for the episode, but not on my own. All right, uh, Jay, how about you? Uh, sure. So at the at the time of this of of this uh, episode, there were over two hundred chapters, and as I prefaced in the beginning at the top of the episode, I do not typically gravitate towards Viking culture. This is something I completely am, you know, aside from what we learned in like elementary and middle school, have not mm. interacted with Vikings. <laughs> I have to say, it is not too much my cup of tea, but I kind of grew attached to. A uh, few of the characters, but um, unfortunately, do not see myself continuing to read outside of the episode. Uh, how about you, Matt? Um, I enjoyed this. I I am curious to see where the plot goes. I think my problem with where we read was I felt like we read a lot, and for a lot of time, there's a lot of wheel spinning where the same thing kind of just keeps happening mm. over and over again. Until you hit points where things are revealed, but it still feels like there's filler. It doesn't. It doesn't seem to move forward. Yeah, up until you get big plot reveals, and even then, it kind of spins its wheels. And like Thorkel is on their tracks, and he's on their tracks, and he's doing. It's just. It didn't feel like there was a lot of plot progression in what we read, and I thought we did like a sizable amount of chapters, like. Yeah. We're really basically where we started. So but we also did read half of an arc, so maybe they front loaded it or backloaded it. Yeah, that is that is entirely pro that's I, I think that's probably why I'm in the camp I am of. I I'd totally do another episode, but probably wouldn't casually read on my own because of exactly that. All right, and thank you everyone once again for listening to the Overmanga Cast. As always, you can find us on all of our social medias where we are at Overmanga Cast, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, whichever one of those is actually alive when this goes out. Uh, we're also on YouTube where you can like, comment, and subscribe. The episodes are on a two week delay, but it does have uh, all of our content up there. And uh, we also have our own website, overmangacast.com, that has uh, all of our episodes right up to date, and you can comment on individual episodes on either of those platforms. Uh, we also appreciate reviews in any and all form, uh, so go ahead on, on uh, iTunes, Podcatcher, wherever you want. Uh, leave us a review. Let us know what you like. Um, also, uh, overmangacast.gmail.com. You can send us an email and request we uh, read a series you might like or... You know, whatever. I don't know. Say hi. Hi. And uh, next week, uh, we'll be uh, uh, getting into, well, ostensibly another thing that would uh, delve into uh, uh, the ethics of uh, ultraviolence, but uh, it might be a bit surprised. Yes, we're going to be reading Elden Ring, Road to the Erd Tree. Chapters 1 through 12. And we'll see you all next Thursday. Good night, everybody. Hey. Good night, everybody. The fallen leaves tell a story. The great Elden Ring was shattered. In our home across the fog, the lands between. Now, Queen Marika the Eternal is nowhere to be found. And in the night of the black leaves, Godwin the Golden was first to perish. Wait, what the <laughs> f*** is going on here? Wait, uh
Oh, oh, ah!